no one who was alive today had ever experienced a true pandemic. And I'm hoping that now that this is over, people are going to, you know, recognize that some serious errors were made and not repeat those. That's the best you can get out of it. So what do you tell those people? Vote Republican. Republicans seek to take control of the House of Representatives. Republicans are going to retake both the House and Senate. A liberal MSNBC host warning Democrats about the potential for a red wave. Do we have any sort of canary in the coal mine type indications of where we may be headed on that front? Fox News is calling the Virginia governor's race for Republican Glenn Youngkin. You and I have a rendezvous with destiny. Welcome back to the Ruthless Variety program. I am not Josh Holmes. I am Michael Duncan. And I am not comfortably smug. My name is John Ashbrook. <laughs> and we also have Hollywood Hen here. Yes, I'm actually sitting in comfortably smug seat. Yes. And I've adjusted all of his settings. Yeah, so <laughs> so, so uh, I'm sure he'll love that yeah, when he gets back to the so seat. Annoyed. He's going to spend 15 minutes in I that know, chair trying to turn knobs and I know, adjust I know. the mic. His, He's going to check his, his levels. His armrests were abnormally high. Really? I just have to point that out, yes. Um. Yeah, so so Holmes and Smug are both out on vacation this mm-hmm. week, but you know we couldn't just rest. We had to put out an episode for the fans, uh, and so here we are today. That was Joe Rogan up top, um, you know, telling his millions of fans the obvious, which is, you know, uh, if we if we want to move beyond this pandemic, you got to vote Republican. What are your thoughts? Rogan has been a cultural leader on this from the beginning. Right. It was unpopular. I mean, right now it's a little bit different because everybody's yeah. like, oh, wait a minute, COVID. It's not yeah, such a Yeah, because everybody's deal. gotten it and was like, it was fine. Right. But he was like that from the from beginning. From the beginning, I know. He and Governor DeSantis, some of the only people who spoke out on an island by themselves about, you know, speaking up against the group think and the culture and it's hard to be the only ones out there saying something different and it, they did it and it's one of the main reasons why i think their audiences have grown it takes real courage yeah and people can see that yeah um well before we get into the meat of the program here we should read some five stars hen do you want to yes. take this first one yes this is from map b67 Another middle-aged mom fangirl. Like so many others, I discovered The Fellows through Megan Kelly. Side note, Megan with The Fellows is perhaps my favorite Megan. I'm trying to convince my 18-year-old conservative son he needs to listen to the program. So smart and funny, and I really enjoy the long-length interviews. Keep up the great work. That's awesome. Pretty sure that was her tone as well. Yeah. Uh, I'll take the second one here. Uh, The Maximus of Southwest Airlines, the title here. This is from Guido Torpedo 13. (laughs) What a great (laughs) Amazing name. He's got to be a friend of the program. Yeah. (laughs) Smug will appreciate this one. Smug is absolutely correct. Southwest is a free-for-all like the games of ancient Rome. As I raced to the gate, throwing elbows and punches, the soothing, calming voices of the program propelled me to claiming victory and securing a seat. The blood and carnage, untold and unfathomable. This is by far the best podcast on the planet. The game's hot takes and comedy is pure gold. I listen to you fellas every week and can't wait till you do an event in Florida. Keep up the good work, fellas. As an Italian, I do appreciate the Italian takes. Stay ruthless. (laughs) That's fantastic. That's great. 
Southwest was the airline that when I was in my 30s asked if I was um, an unaccompanied minor. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> when I was trying to upgrade my seat, they're like, uh, do you have an adult with you? And I was yeah. like, I'm 31. <laughs> you know, I got to I got to tell I got to tell this story while we're on the topic of airports and airplanes. But, um, you know, I was in Michigan over the weekend um, celebrating my dad's birthday. And I was traveling with uh, our kids, my wife and. Uh, we had a real home alone <gasps> experience at the airport. Um, I mean, we'd left in, with plenty, being the old man, as I am, you know, I left with plenty of time. Yeah. But there was an accident. There was construction. It took over three hours to get to the <gasps> airport. We had to return a rental car. Oh, that's brutal. You know, I'm carrying um, a car seat. <laughs> A travel stroller, rolling my so bag, mad. rolling Katie's bag. She's rolling a massive bag. She's got, uh, you know, uh, Henry, our, yeah. you know, our three-month-old, and a baby Bjorn. And we were like running through the airport. Oh gosh! Shout out to the, you know, the the gate attendant for Delta who who held the flight open That's for us. Nice. We were the last to board two minutes before they locked the Oof. door. Yeah, incredible. There's nothing that's more stressful than that, really. It's very stressful. Yeah. <laughs> and also also a shout out to Adam Duncan, my cousin, who's a huge listener to the program, I, f- I found out this weekend. Mm. Um, nice, little yeah, name drop. Never misses an episode. Wow. 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 Well, we have one more five star just for Adam Duncan. Okay. This is from Tooch2024, <laughs> and it is titled, My Favorite Wildlife Program. Curious about the sordid lives of cartel primates? Looking to start an underground giraffe fight club? Well, the fellas have you covered. Solid commentary on current affairs served with a healthy side of levity. Keep it up, gents. That's great. That's great. And also, uh, teaser here, uh, we're going to have some more giraffe news here today. I'm very excited about this giraffe news. (laughs) Yeah, people are sending it in. Uh, But before we get to that, um, we got to get to this. Uh, inflation. Uh, people are already talking about canceling Christmas, which I know Smug would love to go off on if he was here on the program today. But studyfinds.org, of course, McDaniel finding something <laughs> random on studyfinds.org, says, as politicians tout the promise of the Inflation Reduction Act, Americans remain far more convinced uh, it will act, far from convinced it will actually work. In a collection of new polls, researchers have found that most families are preparing for a very difficult holiday season and are looking for any way to avoid paying continually rising prices. A new report from Quantumetric discovered that three in four U.S. consumers have cut their spending by at least 25% to battle inflation. Mm. Mm. Yikes. Half of these Americans, 38%, have cut their daily spending in half just to make ends meet. To get the best price they can, nearly two in five respondents wait for sales. Unfortunately, that's not even enough. Nearly half, 45%, have opened up a new credit card in the last six months. That's, I don't never feel like see that's that. a good idea. Not a solution. <laughs> and actually, this is something Smug always talks about as sort of like a lagging indicator of how terrible the economy is about to become. Right. Because you have all of this credit out there that people are signing up for because they can't afford what they, what they need on mm-hmm. a daily basis. And then, you know, several months down the road, the companies come for the for the bill and people can't pay, can't pay it. it so. Well, yeah, I mean that was the the, the whole credit crunch in two thousand and eight. You know, mm-hmm. it wasn't just um, obviously the the housing crisis, which was huge, but it was just the you know it was consumer debt. You know uh, that really 
devastated people's lives, really terrible stuff. Mm -hmm. Uh, Also here uh, from the study, with many parents going back to school shopping and others getting ready for the holidays, the poll also found that four in 10 consumers are trying to put off paying their goods as long as possible. Mm. Yikes. Yeah, that fits with the credit problem. Gosh, that must be so stressful. I can't even imagine making that calculation. Right. You know, in order to get my kids to be able to go to school and have the supplies they need, I need to put off paying for those supplies or those clothes or whatever. That is a horrible choice to have to make. Yeah, back to school expenses are not low. Right. You know, and everybody's just gone through those on top of all of the other expenses that everybody has on a regular basis. And people out there just hear what Democrats are saying. Well, and if you're opening these new credit cards, you know, think about that. Think you're opening these new credit cards, you're doing the back to school shopping, and then you're like, it says here 59% say they're feeling the stress of needing to buy gifts for the holiday season. Like, you know, there, there's other thing here. It says there, you know, people are, are thinking about not traveling for the holidays and doing a staycation. Yeah. You know what? Those 59% must not have heard about the Inflation Reduction Act yet. <laughs> Once they learn that Democrats have transferred a great amount of wealth to green energy in this country, they'll probably <laughs> feel a lot better. Yeah. They'll feel much more secure. Right. Uh-huh. Surely. Yeah. Uh, well, uh, in related news here on the inflation <laughs> front... Uh, McDaniel, but this says half cows and tire pigs. Families are buying meat in bulk to save money. Rising meat prices up 11% from last year are leading many to change pers- uh, purchasing and consumption habits. Inflation has been at nearly 40-year highs since the spring, but families have been pinched by higher food prices for two years. Have you been doing this, Ashbrook? Uh, we haven't just because we don't have the freezer space. To be honest with you, this is something my family kind of always does. You know, you get a couple of cousins, you get an aunt and uncle. People go in on a side of side of beef. Yeah, it's be- a great Midwestern. It is. It's, it's thing. you know, I think yeah. it, it must be a little <laughs> bit more of a Midwestern thing. You drive forty five minutes or a couple hours out to some farm, and they're processing it in a small building. And I've yeah. I've done this with my dad several times. I have not done it recently, however. It is a good idea. You you do save money yeah. if you have the freezer space. Well, the other thing I saw is a lot of people, um, like with chicken and stuff, uh-huh. rather than getting, you know, the chicken breast or like tenderloins or thighs or whatever, people have opted now to buying like the whole raw chicken, mm. right? And like roasting a chicken hmm. because the cost of those cuts has now gone up so much right. that it's not worth it. You might as well Get just the buy thing. the whole thing and, you know, sort of parcel it out over the course of a couple of days yeah. right yikes yeah it's a, it's a much it's a much more economical way to do it but you've you've got to i mean people must be googling how to clean a chicken because it's <laughs> right. not an, it's Great. not an intuitive process yeah. right i don't know i'd be mean, not you know if you get the rotisserie chickens you know you kind of go from at the breastbone you can rip back the of course, Breast, old man knows. Yeah, for the it, white right. meat. That's why I prompted. And then you sort of turn. <laughs> you do. Yeah, you, you Human do. Google. Turn those uh, drumsticks, you know, and they come off, and then you kind of pull up from the thighs, and you got most of the bird right there. So, hmm. okay, so when I heard that, I thought this is somebody who's going to be plucking and everything else. Oh, yeah. You're saying that this is just like taking a rotisserie chicken and cleaning out the entire rotisserie chicken. Oh, yeah, no, I don't think... <laughs> I don't the, think they're plucking. I don't think they're, I don't think they're just well, it's buying Well, it's dead awfully birds. hard out there. It's awfully, it's awfully hard out there. Uh, it says oh, here, gosh. it says here, overall meat prices up 11%. The cost of chicken's gone up nearly 18%. Bacon, 12% more. I mean, I keep, like, hearing from our media that, you know, the worst of inflation is over, but right. apparently not. 
Well, you know, they wouldn't be saying that if Republicans were in charge. It would be the worst calamity that it actually is. Um, but because Democrats are in the White House, they downplay it, as they, they often do, to, to save Democrats. Um, all right, so I want to get to this because there was a lot of golf over the weekend. Rory McIlroy had an incredible comeback in uh, the FedEx. Yeah, yeah, no, that was a, that was a lot of fun to watch Sunday for anybody who watched that um, the Tour Championship on Sunday. That Scheffler started uh, started the day way ahead right. of McElroy, and then he was like three three or four over on the day. Um, it it comes in the shadow of a lot of changes at the PGA, I and mean, this oh. is a big win for the old Variety program. You know, we did that show. Uh, I think last week where we talked about Liv and the PGA and everything. Well, now it turns out the PGA sort of had a change of heart since they've been basically stiff-arming Liv and trying to sanction the players who move to Liv. Uh, there's going to be some changes coming to the PGA Tour. Yeah, and I read a little bit about it over the weekend. It sounds like some of the details are still coming together. But did you read about this Monday night tournament that they're they plan to start in 2024 what is that so um you know i might be butchering this a little bit but i think it's 18 guys split into uh six teams of three and uh it's a little bit hazy but it looks like they're hitting into like a trackman golf simulator or something like that and then and then they then they play a short game out inside of a stadium um you know it seems like they got a little bit of development to do on that because i can't imagine uh people getting excited about watching 18 guys line up to hit into a, a tv screen but the nice thing is is the pga is is listening they know that they right. need to put a better more entertaining product on the field and they know they need to answer the players demands right you know they've, they've reorganized how they're paying these guys they're going to pay them more reorganize some of the tournaments they're going to have these elevated tournaments so that the better players are playing more often and you and you're flipping on a Flimping on uh, Sunday, Saturday or Sunday, you're going to see names that you recognize. So uh, McDaniel put in this in from golf.com. It says uh, the biggest news in golf this week uh, with a multiple change at the PGA Tour schedule and money as part of the tour's fight against Live Golf. Um, you know, 20 players will be defined as quote, quote unquote, top players next year. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's going to be called the Player Impact Program. Program is what they should call it. <laughs> we'll receive a, a purse bump uh, from fifty million to hundred million. Four more tournaments, in addition to eight announced in June, uh, will be tabbed as elevated events with twenty million dollar purses. Yeah, so that's that's these tournaments yeah. that all that the, are going to be much bigger, sort of like mid majors. Well, it's, it's exactly what we talked about on the show last week, where it was like, you know, why does every tournament have to be four? rounds of golf where you you only know 10% of the players and you're hoping they're up the leaderboard so you have something to watch over the weekend like can't they do these other formats it seems like it was a no-brainer I don't know why it took them this long yeah they definitely need to get creative you know I and a lot of us loved the the match uh, set up when it was like Tom Brady and Tiger Woods right oh I I love that thing it was really good and watching the guys in COVID carry their bags. I don't, do you remember uh, one of the first events that they played? It was like Ricky Fowler. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, yeah, yeah. They were they 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 couldn't have caddies because of the pandemic or some you know some stupid reason like that. However, they all carried their bags. They all hit their own shots. They all, I mean, it was very it's interesting. Mm-hmm. It's just different. Yeah, different. I love the chaos of all of this. <laughs> yeah. As someone who can't really totally track with all the golf talk, but also I love the chaos of it all. It's proof that 
capitalism yes, works. Competition, and competition makes it works. better. Yes, one hundred percent. And not only is it going to be better for the fans, it's going to be better for the players. Yeah, like that is what we should want in America. Yeah, and I, you know what, Greg Norman, love him or hate him, the guy has a serious motor. Mm-hmm. To be able to pick a, a league up and start it from nothing. I mean, Liv. six months ago, right. yeah, Live, n- nobody had even heard of Live Golf. Nobody knew what it was. And now all of a sudden it's disrupted the most esteemed um, organization in American sports to do something different than they have been doing. So um, there's a great segue here in our production document, which is. Uh, uh, stunned golfers are faced with avoiding two lions, 20 hyenas, and a dead giraffe on a par five third hole at a South African course. Oh, my. <laughs> what happened here was four young lions and lionesses came in and killed a giraffe at about 6.30 a.m., but were driven off by 20-plus hyenas Yikes. who started ripping into the giraffe and eating it. Can you imagine that as a hazard on a golf course? No. It's incredible. So I'm going to butcher these names, but the... Skukusa Golf Club in the heart of Kruger National Park had had unusual hazards. Two hunting lionesses, 20 hyenas, and a dead giraffe, which brought play to a halt. <laughs> okay, first of all, Kruger National Park. Are you either of you guys familiar with that? No. Okay. Lions roaming around. That should tell you about everything you need to know. Right. Yeah. So right. if you choose to play golf inside of a national park where lions are roaming around, the sand trap is not your biggest hit. (laughs) (laughs) Can you... I would never do this. Ever. (laughs) No. It's too Uh, much. It says says here, um, the crazy golf course in the middle of Kruger National Park was initially built for staff in 1972, but was opened up to members who live locally before adding tourists. Uh, But it comes with its own set of dangerous hazards as no fences separate golfers from the big five of lions, leopards, leopards, Buffalo, elephants, and rhinos. Can you believe that? It's like Jurassic Park when the power goes out. Yeah, right. <laughs> like, I have a hard enough time uh, putting without this shit going on. I mean, this is incredible. Um, <laughs> it's just insane. I mean, do you think people have to sign a waiver? You would have to, You'd right? Have to. Yes. But in South Africa, maybe they have a different set of rules. All right. Now we got to get to the rest of the giraffe news here. And this oh, comes okay. uh, with a nice hat tip uh, to Tom Cotton's office. And that is a story of politics that is not being discussed in America. Some of the best uh, political news here. And that is Little Rock's giraffe tax fight. you got to be kidding. Yeah, giraffe tax. Uh, the background here is that uh, in 2013, almost 10 years ago, uh, there was a giraffe fight at the Little Rock Zoo. Wait, like, okay... Not a tax fight between politicians. Two giraffes, mano a mano. A- actual giraffe okay. fight. And have okay. you ever seen the way that these giraffes fight, you know, with their necks and everything? We talked right? about it on the show last week. I wasn't you, there. You, oh. No, I wasn't on the show. You missed it. So missed what it. we described last week was that these giraffes actually take their head. You know, I mean, obviously, their necks are very long. Yeah. They take their heads. They get it swinging starting at the base. And they just whap right, right into the other dress. So, like, necks are broken. Wow. So weird. Uh, well, oh so so there was this giraffe fight back in 2013, and, and one of the giraffes died. A 13-year-old male giraffe uh, died at the Little Rock Zoo after he and another male giraffe fought inside a barn. Uh, Jigsaw is the name of this giraffe. Had lived at the Little Rock Zoo since he was born in 2000. Messy, an 8-year-old giraffe housed in the same barn as Jigsaw, broke through a large metal dividing gate that separated the two animals and two sparred until Jigsaw fell. 
Jeez. Okay, so that's the background. Okay, it's it sounds brutal, but don't people want zoos to mimic real life? I mean, isn't the complaint about <laughs> zoos that all these animals are behind glass and of the course. kids just throw popcorn at them? Of course, Ashbrook comes in with the anti-animal take. I know. Take. I've never met someone who hates animals yeah. as much I, as Ashbrook. I, I love animals, and I think they should. They sh- we should replicate real life in zoos as much as possible. I don't want to see any giraffes dying <laughs> think- or hitting each other. It, just, it happens. That's nature. Oh, whipping their necks around. That's, I'll pass. That's nature. You it's just, the law of the jungle. You you order another giraffe. <laughs> it comes over and you put it on a train with yeah, one just, of those holes in the ceiling so the giraffe's head can pop up out of the train. <laughs> I want my giraffes to be like what I see on Disney, you know? Well, pu- just happy little go lucky animals. Procuring a giraffe is, is, is not as easy as just going to Amazon, Ashbrook. <laughs> Uh, as we found out here in the, in the second part of our story here. So eight years later, Democrat mayor of Little Rock uh, tried to raise taxes uh, ostensibly to buy another giraffe. Mm-hmm. Um, this is from the Arkansas Times. Um, Little Rock Mayor Frank Scott Jr. Uh, unveiled his plan to ask city voters for a one-cent sales tax increase. Uh, with a 10-year, $500 million plan to spend the money on a variety of city improvements. In one of those city improvements, obviously, (laughs) apparently being a giraffe. The zoo has developed a plan for a new giraffe habitat where visitors could interact with animals, perhaps in a multi-species setting. Hmm. $20 million investment for that thing. Okay, that's a lot of money. I can't imagine that as a campaign talking point, though. Like, vote for me, I get you a giraffe. giraffe. Yeah, so so, uh, the voters of Little Rock, thank God, rejected the giraffe tax. Uh, Little Rock voters, uh, uh, here's the quote from the story. I just think zoos are kind of archaic. They're outdated. We know that animals live longer in the wild. I don't think that a $22 million giraffe exhibit is going to do very much for this city. (laughs) Incredible. Also, like... Why do you spend $20 million on a new giraffe? Can't you just get like a mom and a dad giraffe together and then a baby giraffe comes out? <laughs> yes. Like that's $20 million? <laughs> oh my gosh, Ashbrook. <laughs> Incredible. Uh, but the, the, the third act of this story on the giraffe and the giraffe tax, uh, and the reason why we're covering it is giraffe tax mayor is running for re-election. Hmm. Oh, uh, this Frank okay. Scott Jr. He's, he's leaning in. Yeah, he's announcing he will seek a second four-year term in office. Uh, opponent Steve Landers announced his candidacy for mayor on September 15th. This is last year. Just one day after Little Rock voters rejected uh, the Rebuild the Rock penny sales tax initiative. Um, are you team Frank Scott or are you team Steve Landers? Pro-giraffe tax or anti-giraffe tax? I'm, I'm, an, I'm anti-any yeah. tax, really. Yeah. So yes. definitely draft tax. No, no thanks. Way. No way, Steve. Which one is it, Steve? No, Frank. Frank Scott. Frank. <laughs> Frank. 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 Let me give you a piece of advice. You don't need to raise taxes to get a new giraffe. You fly to Africa. You find two giraffes. You put them together. A baby comes out. And you fly him back. It does. You don't need to raise taxes. Do it on your own dime, Frank. Fly uh, that baby giraffe back on Southwest before his head gets too tall. Exactly. So he can too. fit on the plane. Got to. Uh, um. Okay. So. We have Hollywood Hen on the program today, obviously, and I think we'd be remiss if we didn't include a Hollywood Hen segment in today's program. Ashbrook, do you think you could find us that great intro music? Okay. 
Okay, so I have a couple topics for you guys, some that you know about, some you may not. So we'll see your reactions in real time. Okay. Um, first, I would like everyone to obviously go listen to, download, and stream Britney Spears and Elton John's new song, Hold Me Closer. I is, bet- it, is it good? So, you know, there was some discussion over the weekend amongst um, the Ruthless listeners. Okay. Not everyone was on board. I personally like it. I think it's one of those songs, though, like, the more you listen to it, the more you kind of it's called, vibe so with it. It's called Hold Me Closer. Yeah. It's like a remix of so Tiny it's a Dancer. Remix, so it uses Elton's John's, Elton John's lyrics from the one. Oh, okay. But the chorus from Tiny Dancer. Okay. So, you know, he's kind of, he did this, he did a, um, a collaboration with Dua Lipa kind of similarly where he's kind of going back and remixing his songs and giving him kind of like an electro pop beat to it all hmm. and just, you know, something new for him to do, I guess. Okay. Um, I really liked it. A lot of people didn't, but I think everybody, listen, if you did not like it the first time you listened, just give it a couple more chances because it, it really it really does grow on you. Um, so I just need to flag that because I want her to get some number, you know, she's it's done really well. well yeah, she's at least she's out there making yes, new music. It's her first new music in six years. Yeah. And I just feel like even if you don't love it, we should still support it. Okay. She needs a little confidence boost. Yeah, yeah, you know yeah, what I yeah. mean? Like, well, I don't think she lacks for the confidence. <laughs> she, yeah, okay. I have seen the Instagram, uh, a lot of nakedness. <laughs> okay. I think that that may be fake confidence oh. that she's putting out there because okay. she talks a lot about how she's actually deeply insecure about things. Mm. Um, which segues to as the VMAs were starting last night, the or the MTV Video Music Awards on Sunday night, Britney wasn't supposed to attend or anything like that. But right as the show is starting, she drops a 22 minute audio of no video, just audio on YouTube. Um, detailing in her own words really for the first time outside of her trial about her conservatorship wow and it was pretty it was actually she took it down but i think probably if you guys i'm sure oh i'm it's sure still it's all on over YouTube the somewhere. Internet, yeah. yeah um it was actually really i mean the whole thing is tragic but she goes through how this plan for a conservatorship was in place for even before you know before she actually got kind of taken in. Yeah. Um, it was a total setup. There was no drugs and alcohol in her system when she was taken to the hospital, like was previously reported. Mm. Um, she talks about how the whole time she was like, I just don't understand what I did to be a 30 something multi, multi millionaire and have to live under my dad's rules. Yeah. She was like, you know, I, I, I didn't have a phone. If I tried to make a phone call to get a lawyer, it was tapped and they would take my phone away. Mm. I didn't have cash. And she said, um, she was like, she was like, I know some of my tours during this time were awful. She was like, I was just an overworked robot at one point. She was like, I just lost all joy until she worked on her album Glory and then she started to get it kind of back. But she said, um, one time, you know, she refused or had a different suggestion for a dance room, Mm -hmm. for a dance move in her rehearsal. And as soon as she said no in that one rehearsal, everything stopped, her team regrouped, and the next day she had to go to a mental health facility for four what? months. Wow. Yeah. And wow. that's why she was in there. And she said from 6 a.m., six, 8 a.m. to 6 p.m., she was just like in a chair. She couldn't move. She's like, she's like, for someone who loves to just move around and be free in my feet, she's like, I, I couldn't even be on my feet. I was in a chair. And she said she's obviously so mad at her dad for everything that he put her under, but she said she's even more mad at her mom and her sister because they kind of 
sat by idly pretending like they didn't really know what was going on when they did. And she said, no one tried to help me. No one tried to save me. Wow. It sounds like there's just so much more to this there's story so than, than, than has even been revealed at this point. Yeah, and I think like to your point about her Instagram posts, I think we just, I mean, that is serious 13-year trauma. Yeah. Like you are the superstar on top of the world and then you totally lost yourself. By, by being gaslit by people yeah. and controlled by people over and over again. Well, and then not just being, uh, you know, controlled by the conservatorship and, and like the people sort of surrounding you, but like also your family. If your family, exactly. You know, like your family was complicit in this entire And scheme. she said while she was in that mental facility for no real reason, her family was partying and vacationing at her Destin house mm-hmm. in Florida. That's good. Mm-hmm. It's just like, I mean, it's enough to drive you crazy. It really is. Yeah. The fact that she truly made it through that yeah is remarkable remarkable so anyway she hammered her mom and her family obviously in this whole thing but then her mom posted a rebuttal on what instagram did, oh, i love say. this gossip i know so her mom um was like Brittany, you know from day one i've always loved you and supported you you know i basically kind of like i think she was intimating you maybe don't know how much i was trying to maybe help you in and out of this situation hmm. um but then which I don't buy, by the way. I think, I think her family loved the setup. Yeah. I mean, they just got to live off her for free while she was a workhorse. Right. right. Uh, but then her mom ended being like, "These are things that we should talk about eye to eye in private." And I was yeah. like, "I mean, that's true. That might be true." But also, I was kind of like, "You know what? Her rage is totally justified. So if she wants to light you up in front of the whole world, you put this girl in front of the whole world for 13 years. Right, you know, yeah. like, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. She can say whatever she wants. She probably tried working it out in private. Yeah, right. right. <laughs> probably didn't work. Yeah." Um, so that's the update on the Britney news. Wow. To be continued. She also mentioned that she could have, um, you know, Oprah and all these people want her for interviews and she could have made tons of money off interviews, but she just wanted to tell her story in the hopes of helping somebody so, who might feel down. Wow. What's what's the next step here? I mean, is there another, so, is there like an action forcing event on the Yeah, so the new hashtag is justice for Britney because now her lawyer is still, um, going after Jamie Spears and Lou Taylor, one of the people who was supposed to be the architect of the conservatorship and involved the whole time. And Jamie Spears sat for a deposition and apparently... Um, Jamie sque- is the mother? Is, no, Jamie is the um, is, is, is her dad. Her dad. Right, um, okay. Apparently, he squealed something because in a, in a following um, court deposition for Lou Taylor, there was some brouhaha that Jamie might have ratted Lou Taylor out. Wow! And on some stuff, and it's getting all it's getting all kind of so, dicey. So is this like civil litigation? Yeah, it's She's like pe- trying to like to get back to get some back some money. money and to like you know Jamie Spears was trying to get her to pay her legal fees. Like her mom is still trying to get her to pay her legal fees. <laughs> you know, so it's just so the legal process of untangling this is the kind of the next step, and to mm. see if these people can be held to account. Wow! Yeah, incredible. So well, I hope they can. Yeah. That's the Britney update. I also want to flag for our listeners that Meghan Markle has done an interview with The Cut. Oh, I saw this cover. Yeah. I did not click on the link because I do not want to give her the satisfaction of clicking on the link. Um, But I will say the Daily Mail did a little write-up and it said, Americans have slammed Meghan Markle after she compared herself to Nelson Mandela and says she needs to move on from the royals as she takes yet another thinly veiled swipe at the firm. 
Um, <laughs> Megan, <laughs> Megan claims, this is what she said, Megan claims that she was told by a cast member of The Lion King in 2019 that South <sighs> Africans danced in the street like when Mandela was freed from prison when she married the, deuce of, the oh, Duke of Sussex. Come on. But Amer- Americans have branded her latest comments as sickening, claiming she's so out of touch with the real world and slammed her for continuing to use her title while at the same time trashing the institution well, so that gave it to that's, her. That's the thing. It's yeah. like she decided to leave. Right. She dragged Harry with her. And, uh, you know, she wants to swear off the royal family and move to America and I guess have a podcast that gets canceled. And she or just whatever. keeps hammering right. them over it's, and over Because it's her again. own, it's the only thing It's the only thing, thing that makes people, her interesting. Right, yes, right. It's like I you know. were a C-list yes, actress. Yes, Nobody cared about Nobody you. Nobody cares. And now you, the only thing you can do is talk about that time you were in the royal yes. family. Michael, she's Nelson Mandela. <laughs> if you don't believe it, just ask one of the cast members from Disney's Lion King. Well, it was funny because someone was saying, um, so so she's been caught in like several half-truths, mistruths, uh, yeah. lies. She's a- and so other people are saying that she probably just made, made that right. story up. And I think she'll continue to make things up, uh, yeah. allegedly. Right, as you suits know? her. <laughs> as suits her uh-huh. to be relevant. Yes. And but all of it's can be related to the royal family, yes. like new gossip she can put out there or whatever. But the funny thing is, is like, not that I didn't ever totally love her, but like the more she talks, the, the more it's just like, dislike dislike you are the most you know self-centered well, self-serving also, narcissist also of like all, all times all you, all so you unappealing do, all you do is talk about how the royal family's corrupt and all of this sort of stuff but like in that article in the cut what's her title yeah duchess, duchess of right Sussex, exactly you know exactly. it's like my god so anyway so that's the little royal update for everyone megan just someone someone on twitter said uh oh no mm, it was pierce morgan not just someone he said he called her interview a revoltingly self um, self-centered, disingenuous, and hypocritical, hypocritical load of royal bashing trash. Nice. <laughs> it's like, yeah, that's pretty much it. Sums uh, it up. I like it. Um, and then lastly, uh, Taylor Swift announced that she is dropping a new album in October wow. called Midnights. But this is, this is all the gossip on Reddit and online is that um, she is releasing it on Kim Kardashian's birthday. Wow, and people are saying it's a way that because you know she had that feud with Kim and Kanye, yeah, that the feud is still alive and Taylor's doing it to be, wow, a jerk and take shine away from Kim's birthday. <laughs> Which like Ugh. I'm Team Kanye and Kim, but like it's kind of funny that she's if if that's true. That's really funny. <laughs> I, I mean, like petty, petty, right? But, like really. Also, funny. it's like we go from Megan super annoying to Taylor super annoying. You know, it's just but like also yes, she is super so annoying. annoying. She's the worst. <laughs> I don't know why people love her so much. I've never been a fan. But like, like Kim and Kanye aren't even together anymore. I know. I know, but she can't let it drop. Yeah. Which is like totally classic. Um, So anyway, those are the three. Those are three updates for y'all. Wow, that is great Hollywood news. Thank you so much for that. All right, we got to get to this uh, topic. Uh, Dems in the press basically trying to kill the red wave. Uh, We had a series of headlines here, a little roundup for you we'll read. Uh, Wapo's Dan Balls. Uh, Trump is turning the midterms from a referendum into a choice. Politico. Republicans poised for smaller gains in House poll suggests. The Hill. Red wave hits breaker. GOP midterm worries rise. CNN. A once bullish GOP now sees a smaller House majority in its future. Cook political. Red wave looks more like a ripple. New York Times. Republicans signal worries about Trump and the midterms. Another New York Times growing evidence against a Republican wave. Huh. 
Yeah. Well, they've all got the talking points. Right. <laughs> They're all. They don't even try to hide it. All writing the exact same thing, and that is whatever Democrats uh, want them to write, whatever benefits Democrats, their own party. When the media tells you they don't root for a side, they are lying. Right. I mean, I, you know, this is sort of classic, and and the media has gotten everything wrong since you know forever, but especially since 2016. Uh, you know, reading too much into polls, not to mention, you know, like, look, it's August um, and we're still doing registered voter polls, not likely voter polls. But every single election cycle, there's a period in which the media decides that Democrats are going to win everything. Yeah. And they, it's it's sort of like they think that they have the sort of power to make everything a self-fulfilling prophecy, mm-hmm. right? If they keep repeating it enough times, it'll it will be come true. true. And if it distracts and demoralizes Republicans enough, maybe it can happen. Yeah. Right? Um, I just, I got to tell you this. Uh, they, they, they are way overselling it. Because right. just because Joe Biden's approval went from 35 to 41 doesn't mean he's risen from the dead. Right. <laughs> 41 is cataclysmic for Democrats. It's it's a terrible situation and you talk to you talk to dem consultants at the beginning of the cycle and they would say over and over again, if Joe Biden is down in the low 40s, we're going to lose the house. We're right. going to lose the Senate. And that's exactly what's about to happen. But the media is trying to lift the spirits of Democrats. Mm-hmm. Right. Right, because it's, you know, it's August. There's not a lot of news going on right now. Voters are sort of disengaged. They're on vacation or you know, their kids are going back to school. But what we're going to see here over the next couple of months is an electorate that starts to get engaged. And what are they going to see? Um, what we talked about today on the program, um, inflation. Um, you know, they're having to take out another credit card to pay bills. Yeah, it doesn't look so good for Democrats come November. Not only an electorate that's about to get engaged, just at the time the electorate is getting engaged, uh, the major Republican super PAC, Senate Leadership Fund, right. begins advertising. Right. So the guns start firing after Labor Day. And, and, and Democrats, Democrat candidates out there in these competitive races have not seen this level of negativity that they will be painted with over the next two months. And they just haven't. It's not just on the Senate side with Senate Leadership Fund, Congressional Leadership Fund, which is the the major right. House right. Super PAC announced today, you know, on Monday. Um, here's a, a tweet from Calvin Moore. Good morning, House Democrats. Today, CLF Super PAC is doubling down on offense, expanding our buys and putting $37 million more into winning the majority, bringing CLF's ad time to $106 million for the fall. Wow. CLF, $106 million. SLF, $190 million. A lot of money will be spent defining Democrats as what they are, the enablers, really the authors of our terrible economy, of the high prices. Right, right. Two, two other points real quick on this. Number one, Democrats outspent Republicans 3 to 1, 4 to 1, 5 to 1 in most of these Senate races across the country over the course of the summer. To this point. Right. To this point, right? Right. So, like, the numbers are going to be a little bit rosier for them than they actually are. Uh, Just put that much lead on target, and their numbers are going to look a little bit better. Number two, you look at at polls across the country, especially House polls, um, where Biden's, you know, approval will be like 42, 44 percent. But the approval of the incumbent House Democrat will be higher, sometimes 15 points higher. And part of that is redistricting, right? So, like, in some of these districts, you know, 20% of the electorate, this is the first time they're being represented by that person. They don't know they're the Democrat. They don't know. The delta between Biden's approval or disapproval 
and the Democrat on the ballot is going to narrow. And it's going to narrow dramatically here when you spend $162 million. And at that point, (laughs) the red wave isn't just like a thing that could happen. It's a thing that's very, very real. But to the point that Smug makes over and over and over again, which is exactly right, the red wave isn't something that's happening. It's something that we have to do. Right. So people need to get engaged. You have to go out and knock doors. You have to contribute where you can. You have to be a part of the process. It's not going to happen magically. The, the, the election won't win itself. The media will take it from you if you don't take it from them. Right, right. Donate to campaigns, volunteer, phone bank, walk doors, whatever you can do, get involved wherever you can help. I want to finish today's program with a uh, nice, happy story. Um, this is from Marine Corps Times. How this Marine Corps clarinetist evacuated two U.S. embassies in one year. This mm. is incredible. Wait, Michael, can I stop you? Sure. Did you play the clarinet? I did not. I no, played you played the, the um, cello, the right? The cello and the saxophone. Mm. Yeah. So, There's a great picture of him as a young lad pl- playing the cello. Yeah, <laughs> DM Ruthless Podcast. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe we'll post it on the Twits. <laughs> Maybe. But, uh, but fundamentally, the saxophone and the clarinet look different. Very different. But do they play differently? Uh, yes. Mm. <laughs> okay, don't, don't, look, the saxophone is cool, okay? Kenny G plays the saxophone. Oh, my gosh. Are you telling me that? Bill Clinton play, played the saxophone. It was one of the things that gave him personality. You're telling me the saxophone isn't cool? I didn't say it's not cool. I'm just asking you the question because okay. I know you'll have an answer. Whatever. <laughs> um, anyway, so Marine Staff Sergeant Ryan San Juan just wanted to spend four years playing in a military band. Instead, he became a witness to history evacuating two embassies in global hotspots in a single year and earning Marine Corps legend status in the process. San Juan, 31, helped oversee the emergency departure of U.S. embassy staff from Afghanistan as a Marine Security Guard detachment commander in August 2021 in Kabul. A month later, he arrived at a new post as detachment commander at the U.S. embassy in Kiev. Wow. Mm. Yeah. Can you imagine? No. That's incredible. Um, this guy runs to the fight. Yeah. Uh, his not sec- afraid. His second enlistment was coming to an end, and again, he planned to get out, but he was offered the opportunity to return to Marine Security Guard duty as a detachment commander, which he took. As his training for the role wrapped up, he learned he was headed to Kabul. Quote, It was always reiterated to us that our mission is there, to have a diplomatic presence in Kabul, and that the embassy is not going to go anywhere, he said. That all changed on August 13, 2021. San Juan received orders that the embassy, with all the diplomatic personnel, would be evacuated within 48 hours. Jeez, can you imagine that? No. No, but uh, you know what? I get. I, I really hope that there are more people like this guy in the I, Marine Corps. I, I think you know so. there are. I you think, know there are. Th- th- this isn't. This is. This guy is a hero. Mm-hmm. I think we're only starting to hear these sort of stories of heroism that came out of this stuff. I mean. You know, I've heard from people about, you know, stories, right, of like um, people who served over there going back to try to get, tra- you know, Afghan translators out and stuff like that. You know, I think there's probably a bunch of stories like this that we don't even know yet. Um, yeah, well, I mean, the, of course we don't know it because the Biden administration is too busy consuming the media right, and they, stories about themselves. And, and, and telling people what a success it was. Right. Um, uh, more from, from the article here. He didn't stop to reflect on the significance of helping 
to close out the U.S. diplomatic presence in Afghanistan until he departed the embassy compound himself early in the morning on August 16th. Upon returning to the United States, he was presented with a list of options for his next posting. He had a good relationship with his regional commanding officer, so he chose what looked to be a most promising posting available, Kiev. Mm. You imagine, you're like, you know, I want something a little less dramatic yeah, than friend, Kabul. Somebody I know. Yeah. <laughs> he arrived in September 2021, and he quickly was brought up to speed on the looming conflict and threats from Russia. In October, when Russia began to amass troops on the border, the embassy security de- detachment watched for news closely, awaiting any orders. In February, they came. An ordered departure of staff from Kiev, followed by a deliberate evacuation. Jeez, at least in the Marine security guard community, he's a celebrity. I bet. The jokes are also incessant. Marines rib him for being for bringing chaos wherever he goes, <laughs> warning that any coffee shop or restaurant he enters is about to be evacuated. <laughs> you that? The guy just wanted to play his clarinet, right? And then this is what happened. Yeah. <laughs> but duty called. Yeah, stepped up to the plate. I mean, that's amazing. Do you think? Do you think it's a little like um, the orchestra on, on on the the deck of the Titanic? Titanic? You know, like maybe mind. he played a little ditty as they're all evacuating. <laughs> you know, little solo work. Yeah. <laughs> Man, thank God for the Marine Corps Times because every other outlet in the country spent the weekend writing about the the 23-year-old kid who's now tweeting for the White House Twitter account. Yeah. And everybody in the country would rather read about this guy. Right. Nobody yeah. nobody cares who's tweeting for Joe Biden. Right. No, nobody cares. Oh, well, fellas, I think we did it. In the absence of Holmes and Smug, we managed to put together a pretty great episode. Yeah, I think so. A little light on the political news today, but I think we brought you a lot of candy. It's summer. It's August. It's yeah. summer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's summer. You know, on uh, Thursday's episode, we're going to do a little preview of football as well, so get ready for that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's only appropriate for Hollywood Hen to play us Absolutely. out. Another banger of an episode, folks. So until next time, minions, keep the faith. Hold the line and own the libs. We'll see you on Thursday. Stay ruthless.